Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Thompson. So Sam is currently finishing off his PhD with Celtic Football Club and he's living in Valencia in Spain. He's an exercise nutritionist and he's here today to discuss how you can improve performance using a vegetarian and vegan diet. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Sam onto the show. So Sam, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thank you very much for joining us. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Sure. Um, so my name is Sam Thompson. I am a sport and I exercise nutritionist. I came through, I suppose, what is probably a traditional pathway where I was interested in sport, went to university, um, played at a reasonably decent level for kind of football and a few other sports within the university. Being in Edinburgh, I realised that my eating habits and eating behaviours were uh, horrendous, to say the least. <laughs> I did. I don't know if you ever tried um, deep fried mozzarella. In... Not mate, but no. <laughs> no, I do that now. <laughs> when I uh, when I have to go to nutrition knowledge, obviously diet can be where things were. But that kind of drove my my interest in. Awesome and uh, a nice little uh, move to, to Valencia. You mentioned as well uh, yeah, of a... a nice little. Excellent, well deserved, mate. <laughs> well deserved. So obviously we're we're here to discuss uh, diets and specifically like a, a vegetarian and, and vegan diet. So before we get into how that impacts sport and all that kind of stuff, can you give us a quick outline of those two diets and, and what that means? Yeah, sure. So. Suppose when we think about kind of vegan or vegetarian diets, they probably fall into this this wider category, which I would term plant-based diets, which is essentially the vast majority of the foods you consume comes from plant sources. Now, within that, we have a range of different plant-based diets and different um, diets that include, obviously, animal products and plant-based products. So, for example, uh, one of the biggest kind of rises recently, I think, that we've seen, uh, not just among athletes, but among general population, is this idea of um, flexitarian, where you can consume little bits of animal products, but for the vast majority of your your diet is uh, 
necessarily from a food perspective, although we obviously factor that in as nutritionists, but they would also avoid any kind of animal products, so things like clothing or shoes or whatever, they would try and avoid that completely. Um, but yeah, so the, I suppose vegetarian and vegan are probably more the traditional kind of plant-based diets that we see, but there's certainly others that can incorporate uh, different food groups. And, I suppose we'll talk about this in a little bit when we talk about some of the challenges and, and kind of the pros, how when we're working with athletes, we might want to factor that in. Yeah, so let, let's let's go on to that straight away. Like, what, what are the advantages? Because obviously people are doing it. There's a reason behind it. So what's what's the thought process? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think obviously um, in the last few years, the, the interest in this kind of diet approach, whether it be from ethical or environmental or health or whatever this, the kind of um, motivating factor is for going down this path. We've seen certainly within athlete populations a rise massively in, in how many athletes are actually undertaking this. So there are a, a few uh, advantages certainly that we can, that we can think of when we're talking about, we'll talk about it probably more from, a vegetarian approach, and then we'll we'll highlight some of the nuances of that as well. Um, but if we think about it just from a, a kind of a purely um, kind of pragmatic standpoint, if we're thinking about the types of foods that we exclude when we remove meat and, and fish and, and that kind of thing, what and what it leaves us with is essentially a high carbohydrate diet and we see this in the literature when working with athletes what we see a lot of the times is that athletes will remove maybe animal-based products and replace that with things like whatever it might be so pasta rice things that they're already normally consuming they might just have that in larger quantities and so when we're thinking about athlete performance and the importance of carbohydrate um, then obviously that can't be advantage straight off the bat we know that a lot of athletes don't eat enough carbohydrate and so taking that into a plant-based diet where they increase their carbohydrate intake we can see a kind of positive benefit there the other side of it is obviously that we know that a lot of um, plant-based carbohydrate foods come with fiber because of the way that we break down those plant-based foods themselves and we see this again in the literature that the vast majority of um, athletes or general population individuals who undertake plant-based diets have or consume more fiber in their diet. So we can we can see that from a long-term health perspective, then there's going to be there's going to be benefits there definitely. 
And is is it the case that they're also consuming more vegetables? Because that's the way it always sounds, right? At least it sounds like they're going to have, I don't know, five to eight portions of fruit and veg a day. And that makes it uh, super healthy because there's loads of vitamins and minerals in there. Is, is that the case? Or is it more uh, a carbohydrate and macronutrient standpoint? Sure. I mean, in theory, uh, it should effectively work like that. Because again, if we're taking away... Um, you take away food sources that you can't eat, you're going to eat more of the ones that you can. So in theory, it should be that you eat more whole grain carbohydrates and fruits and veg. I'm not sure. The introduction of vegan Ben and Jerry's probably hasn't helped that. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Maybe you've never <laughs> okay. tried the, I think it's mm. the uh, the vegan peanut butter cup. Is it ben good? And Jerry's. Amazing. Amazing. Really? Yeah, amazing. What's it, what's it made out of? Traditionally, like beans of, or something. Magic mass beans, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with peanut butter in it. No, they're, they're usually a mix of soy milk, or they might have some coconut oil in there. And again, this is probably where a lot of people, when they think about vegan, uh, vegetarian diets, and they go, well, it must be healthier. It's always important to then put it in the context of, well, we can still have a pretty low quality vegan or vegetarian diet, as we can with a, an omnivorous diet. Um, but certainly, if we think about the types of food and the range of foods that are available to us, and this is something that uh, I always try and get to do with all athletes, not necessarily just vegetarian or vegan athletes, but I think with all athletes, we think about the diversity of foods that we eat, trying to expand that. It's certainly and especially in regard to fruits and vegetables, it just becomes not necessarily easier because that food is still available for people who eat animal-based products. But the fact that you're excluding what you previously ate is probably a large proportion of your daily intake. It just opens, I think, a little bit more of a door and a pathway to, okay, well, I'm not going to eat animal products. Let's try and expand the types of foods that we can. And so we can see some benefits from there in terms of a range of different um, fruits and vegetables, and that leads to benefits in terms of overall fiber intake. And then we know there's some interesting research coming out in terms of food diversity and the range of type of foods that you have on uh, the kind of microbiota as well. Okay, well, maybe that's a podcast for another day. I think uh, yes, yeah, it's interesting to, to dive in into. Minutes, that's, that's a lot to go through. I was going to say, we're, we're not going to get through all of that, but... Um, obviously, those those are the advantages. Is like pretty clear. Potentially yeah. more carbohydrates, fruits and vegetables are good for you. More diversity, that's great. What are the disadvantages? Because obviously, there are good things about eating meat sources, right? Like there there are there are certain um, yeah macronutrients and certain vitamins and minerals that you get from that, which you might not be getting if you're only eating carbohydrates and vegetables. Yeah, hundred percent. So obviously, the big one is um, if you've ever been on. Uh, I don't know if you follow anyone who's kind of vegan or vegetarian on Instagram. But I'm sure... Not massively, I don't think. <laughs> no, but I mean, any, any comment or any picture that you put up in all of the comment sections, always, where do you get your protein from? Yeah. And that's just the, the Instagram phrase of, of uh, for anyone who's vegan or vegetarian. And it is obviously a concern to a degree when we're working with athletes. I think especially if you have an athlete who transitions quickly. Um, so for example, 
in January last year, we had a couple of, in, well, I had a couple of individual clients who wanted to just give up meat for January. And then that obviously transitioned off the back of that. Um, but A, they had high energy requirements. So they required a lot of calories to maintain their sport. And a large portion of that, of their diet previously had been from animal products. So immediately you're cutting out a huge proportion of what their diet had uh, entailed before. And the fact that then you're losing high quality protein sources within there, that's probably the major concern. That's where I think a lot of athletes or if, if coaches who are working with athletes uh, who are transitioning into kind of this plant-based vegetarian vegan diet is a we need to make sure that the energy lost through animal products is replaced relatively quickly and we can do this a number of ways i think now especially depending on where you live it's it's not great um, i've got to be storing high in there because i'm not saying Certainly in the UK, the popularity of these plant-based foods has gone up massively in the last few years. So that can be quite an easy way to just transition over and replace essentially like for like. So if you know if you have chicken breast, you swap that for a, a plant-based chicken breast, and that can be quite a good way of just replacing total energy. And then in terms of protein, also we need to think about the leucine content. So that obviously drives our ability to build muscle. Um, animal products tend to be higher in leucine and so we need to try and replace that within our diets through plant-based products and usually it just means consuming more of the protein can you see that above around like 1.6 grams per kilogram per day protein intake that seems to level out and we can make good gains um on on a plant-based diet um and alongside that, there's a few other um, kind of micronutrients that we need to be aware of. So things like um, zinc, iron, uh, calcium, where we tend to get them from things like dairy and other uh, animal-based foods. And they tend to have a better bioavailability absorption rate than the uh, non-animal-based foods or plant-based foods. Um, so yeah, within that, but the key ones I would say are probably energy and um, and protein intake for sure. And when we look at a, a vegan diet, obviously you mentioned some some dairy products there, which are pretty good sources. Um, yeah. How does that then work in a vegan diet? Because yeah, there's only so many bees and peas, beans and peas, nearly. Uh, you can you can eat right. So how how do you then, as a vegan, start to hit that 1.6, for example, grams uh, per kilo body weight? Per day. Yeah. So I think this is A, where careful planning comes in. So we can't do it through food. And again, it depends on what your needs are. So if you think about 1.6 to 2 grams per kilogram being our kind of recommended intake of protein throughout the day, if we have a larger athlete, it becomes obviously more difficult to get that through whole food. If we have a smaller athlete, or if we have, um, a kind of youth athlete who requires the total amount which is lower, then it can't be done through food. I would say 
that this is where things like protein supplementation obviously come in as a positive. We don't necessarily need them, but at the same way, I wouldn't, I would not advise taking a protein supplement to an athlete who already included animal-based products in their diet. I think from a from a just an ease standpoint, and a, a protein supplement can be really useful. And also, the problem that we tend to have with whole-based food sources coming from uh, protein sources coming from plant foods is this digestibility issue where the, pro, the, the amount of protein needed to stimulate this kind of muscle protein synthesis is higher, whereas in a protein supplement, it's obviously concentrated form, we can just get that easier. Um, so yeah, I think from there, planning out meals, making sure that the, the amount of energy lost through removing those animal products and then just replacing that with either like-for-like like or in a kind of uh, meat replacement product or using a protein supplementation which can just be a really simple way of doing that. Are there any other like pitfalls that athletes need to avoid? So let's say they're, they're thinking about making a transition to um, either a, a predominantly plant-based or an entirely plant-based diet. Um, are there any other little bits and pieces you think, oh, actually make sure you consider that before you make the step or make sure that these things are, are covered because that's an important part of the process. Uh, yeah, so again, I think that's the key The key message that we kind of just touched on there is, so if, if we are assessing our current dietary behaviors or current dietary intake, and we're, and we're thinking, right, we're going to transition into a solely plant-based, so say it's solely a vegan diet, is A, consider, okay, what is the kind of proportion of food that I'm getting from animal-based products? How does that translate into um, my total energy intake for the day? And then how can I best replace that? And again, we can do we can use things like protein supplements um, and, and these other uh, plant-based foods to, to cover that gap. Um, so planning around that. I would say is the most important thing whenever we're looking to, to transition. And then there's a few other kind of um, micronutrients that we need to be aware of. So things like B12, we know that we get B12 exclusively from animal-based products. Um, and so this is where things like supplementation probably are required. We don't really, but it's the same, I would say, again, for even for um, omnivorous athletes, things like vitamin D, we're going to have to supplement that anyway. We just can't get enough fit through food itself. Um, and so if we can, we can supplement with things like um, vitamin D, things like B12 are probably going to be necessary anyway. Um, when it comes back to protein intake, mixing our sources, so we know that we can have um, kind of beans and lentils or legumes mixed gives a different uh, amino acid profile and that can help with not just our overall uh, protein intake but also making sure that we're consuming an array of, of different amino acids can be can be really useful um, and then the final considerations probably um, iron intake uh, so one of the things that we can do is 
purely just because of the absorption being lower in plant-based iron sources is to consume vitamin C with that. So essentially pairing foods high in iron, so like beans, nuts, um, uh, fruits and vegetables, that kind of thing, with foods that are also high in vitamin C. So, and this is where there's a really good, um, there's two actually really good kind of day examples of meal plans on the, there's an ISSN journal that I'll, that I'll fire over to you and, and you can pin it in, in the podcast notes where they give you a breakdown of, I think it's two diets, maybe two and a half thousand, three and a half thousand calories. But it gives you a really good idea of like pairing different food sources together. So we know if we pair, um, say, you're having an oatmeal breakfast, adding in some berries and some nuts. The nuts will obviously help with, with iron intake, but then the vitamin C also helps with that iron absorption. And so we can just pair meals a little bit. It just, I would say, is just planning a little bit better where in a omnivorous diet, we can probably just eat the same meals over and over or certainly similar meals over and over, which I know a lot of athletes do. I would say with the, if you transition into a plant-based diet, we just need to be a little bit um, a little bit smarter about how we go to plan those meals. When it comes to then looking at how an athlete can do that, and it, we make a practical example of it, can you talk us through a case study of someone who um, is on a vegetarian or, or vegan diet and how that might look based around their training and their, their kind of like energy intake needs? Yeah, so the key the key kind of principles stay more or less the same. So if we're thinking about the key meals being kind of before and after training, A, making sure that we're consuming enough carbohydrate, which is relatively straightforward. If we think about the types of food that are available to athletes um, in terms of carbohydrate intake, and then protein intake after training, obviously being a key consideration, something that we want to, and promote muscle protein synthesis immediately after that training session. So um, one of the things that I always try and do is not steer too far away from what the athlete's already doing and obviously try and work around their kind of lifestyle and what they've been doing previously just to help that kind of adaptation phase going into a new kind of diet strategy. Um, so there was one athlete we worked with um, who was one of the, the youth football players. And essentially the the menu was kind of typically set where it would be normally eggs and toast for breakfast. And they'd have a kind of a chicken breast with rice or potatoes, so carbohydrate sauce and vegetables for lunch, a protein shake after the gym in the afternoon, and then in the evening, they would be like a family meal. So it might be spaghetti bolognese, it might be lasagna, etc. So one of the really simple ways we can do that is nothing needs to change dramatically, but we, we look at the breakfast. So we might change the eggs out for um, like a scrambled tofu, works quite well. So we can get silken tofu and scramble that as a kind of um, egg replacement. We um, 
can look at something like uh, spotting that for oatmeal, where we're still getting carbohydrate in there from the oats. We use um, a, a kind of soya milk, and we might add in a little bit of extra protein powder, depending on what the protein needs are for the athlete, just to give the, the protein source. And then we can add in some nuts and seeds and, and fruit in there as well. So they're still, in terms of like the energy and the macronutrient standpoint, we're still looking to that to be comparable, but we're just giving them nice, easy options of how they can do that. Again, for the lunch, we can more or less keep that very similar. So the, the carbohydrate and the vegetable sources or where they're getting the, those intake from stay more or less the same. Uh, and then we just change essentially that protein source coming from the chicken breast. And then again, it might be something like uh, in in the short term, it might be something like a corn uh, kind of breast that they do. Um, we might look further down the line to look at something more like a, a homemade burger with some soya and, and beans. Um, depending on what the obviously the level of the athlete is and what their cooking skills and, and that kind of stuff is. And then the protein shake after kind of more or less stays the same. We're just using a plant-based alternative. And then into dinner, again, we can use in the immediate kind of period of transition, we can use things like swapping a, um, a kind of beef mince that they might use for a lasagna in for a kind of corn mince or a plant-based alternative. And again, further down the line, we might look to change that and include things like lentils or, or other kind of foods that we can just swap it out. But essentially the idea is to maintain the same kind of nutritional profile as much as we possibly can with an emphasis on obviously protein, um, but also making sure that the transition is easy enough for the athlete to kind of maintain that. We don't want to be making recommendations for them to, to overhaul everything and make some fancy meal that, that, that they don't know how to or they can't stick to. Um, and so that's really where the, the kind of the focus is. Keeping the, the nutritional profile as much as we can, but also not diverting too far away from what they're currently doing. Absolutely excellent. I think that's a really interesting insight into how it can be done and it doesn't have to be something big and scary and you don't have to change everything in the world, but some, some small changes can uh, obviously uh, yeah, make a bit of difference there. Um, Sam, where can people find more information about you and what you're up to? Um, so I'm horrendous on social media. It's my, one of my goals for this year to get a little bit better. Um, but I do have Instagram. I can't actually remember what my... <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good resolution already, mate. You're doing well. <laughs> that's how little I actually use it. I think it might be Sam Thompson Nutrition. We'll put it in the show notes regardless. So yeah. if, people, if people want to follow you there, they'll be in the show notes. I'm on Twitter or so whatever it's called. My plan is for this year to use it a bit more and connect with um with athletes and coaches and sports scientists and stuff so um yeah if anyone's interested excellent. in connecting that'll be that'll be really good excellent mate so massive thanks for your time on the podcast today it's been a pleasure and look forward to speaking again soon thanks matt appreciate you having me on just buddy
And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Sam for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science Sport Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of sports science courses which are broken down into bite-sized chunks. That means you can fit them in and around your busy coaching schedule. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, we can give you seven days completely for free into the Coach Academy where you can enjoy great courses including ones from Sam himself on nutrition. So to get in there, hit the link in the show notes and get yourself seven days free coach academy in just a few seconds time and if you have enjoyed today's podcast it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach colleague an athlete or a friend it means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content and that's it once again a massive thanks from me and matt solomon for science of sport and i'll speak to you next week